Hello once again, Cougar football fans. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 8 edition of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's program, the Cougars drop a second consecutive game following a 5-0 start to the season. In a sneak peek at life in the Big 12, Baylor beats BYU down in Waco 38-24, the final score. Joining us today to break down what went down and to look ahead to a second straight game on the road, we have offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick and defensive coordinator slash D-line coach Eli Satuiaki joining us. We start the show with Coach Roderick. Aaron, always good to have you. Thanks. Good to be here. Well, before we talk about the, how this game unfolded, uh, let's get into some of the, the backstories maybe. And let's start with the trip to Waco. Uh, it had been a while since you guys had gotten on an airplane after uh, five straight games in the Beehive State. Yeah, it was our first real road trip in quite some time. And, uh, you know, I, I think... It was a, it's a tough place to play. Those guys are a very good program, and it was a, it was a tough trip. Um, it was quite a, quite a long bus ride from the airport to the hotel, then hotel to the stadium. So it was, that was the first, first time experiencing that in a while, and, and um, you know, hopefully next time we handle it better. You were staying down in uh, Temple, Texas, I think, which is uh, a yeah. 40 minutes, 45-minute drive, I guess, down from Waco. Yeah, it was a little bit different experience than what we've had this year, and we got to handle it better, obviously. Uh, first of what will be many Big 12 conference trips uh, to McLean Stadium on the Baylor University campus in Waco. You're there to coach a ball game, uh, but you have to appreciate the setting, I guess, in a way. And I'm not sure which was more impressive, the venue or the hospitality. It was a great day of football, the score notwithstanding. It was. It was big time college football, you can tell. And uh, this, the venue was awesome. The, the way we were treated was great. Their, their fans showed up and, and uh, you can tell it's, uh, football is a, a big priority there. And uh, it'll be it'll be fun to be a part of that conference. And, and they're a really good team. We found out that that that's a good conference, and that was a good football team we played. And Baylor really made a, a big deal about the Big 12 membership. Uh, it was pretty clear the school is happy to have BYU on board in this new look league in 2023. And it was kind of nice to get uh, a, a glimpse of what football life will be like in the Big 12. Yeah, and and you know the thing that stood out to me was just uh, you know picture that being that type of opponent, that type of environment every week. And that's, that's what it's going to be, and we look forward to it, and we've got our work cut out for us. The game at Baylor meant a reunion of coaching colleagues. Uh, you got to spend a few minutes on the field before the game with uh, Jeff Grimes, uh, Eric Mateos, Matt Mitchell's also on the staff. Yeah. I had the binoculars out just kind of seeing how much you guys enjoyed just kind of being around each other again. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, Grimey and I have a good bond. We worked well together before, and... Uh, it was good to see him. I, I do not like coaching against my friends. I, I dis, and I'd rather coach against somebody I dislike. <laughs> uh, but um, it, was, it was good to see him, and uh, he's, he's doing a good job there. Now, last week when you were here, you talked about how much you'd have to uh, change the operational protocol because of the familiarity with Coach Grimes and, and his with the offense. So what actually was the net impact, do you think, now that you've been through last week? Well, we, it was a major operation change. I, I can't overstate. Like we, we put a lot of practice time into a whole different operation of how we signal plays into the game. I thought our players handled it really well. We had, we had one missed signal. We got sacked in, in, in the fourth quarter. Jaron got sacked on a play waiting for a, a dig route to break inside, and that player got the wrong signal. And uh, that was the only play of the game where we didn't get it right. Uh, so... Unfortunately, that was a costly play, but I thought our players handled a, a very different system well, and um, 
now now this week it'll be nice to just go back to our old way. Right. Relative to the game plan, what did you think you'd be able to do that you did? And what maybe did you plan to do that maybe didn't go as you hoped or expected? Well, we knew it was going to be difficult to run the ball. No one has run the ball on them. That nose guard is a problem. Uh, number eight, nobody's blocked that guy all year. We, there were some things about them schematically. We knew, we knew it was going to be tough to run the ball. Uh, it turned out to be even harder than we thought. Hmm. And there were, there were some, you know, we had some issues with uh, a couple of O-linemen being out. And so, you know, the guys that filled in are good players, but sometimes you lose some continuity when you're, when you're plugging guys in late in the week, you know, and you didn't, you didn't know necessarily that, that uh, we didn't know necessarily that Harris and Joe were both going to be out. So we had to make some last minute changes there late in the week. Uh, so that's a factor, but running the ball was tough. They were, they were good against the run. Uh, I thought we, we did think we could throw the ball down the field. We, that was part of our game plan was to take shots and throw it down the field. And I thought we did that very well. And um, we got to keep it up. Yeah, pass efficiency day of 170 plus, and Jaron Hall had a career high in throwing yards. We'll get more uh, into Jaron a little bit. Um, Harris and Joe, you mentioned those guys. Uh, Hope is they're close to getting back on the O line. Yes, hoping to have them both back this week. Um, I don't. I'll know more later today. But right. I'm, I'm really hopeful that we get those guys back. We've we've really missed. Harris was playing so well before the, before the injury. He was really probably are, you know, just playing at a really high level, and it'd be nice to get him back. Harris at right tackle, Joe at right guard. I think it's now five different O-line combos through seven games you played so far. Well, uh, back to Baylor. Uh, first game this season in which BYU did not open the scoring. Uh, Baylor got the opening field goal, uh, but the Cougars got the opening touchdown, as they have in every game, and you took a second-quarter lead uh, on a Tyler Algier touchdown run. The drive featured a 52-yard grab from uh, Puka Nakua, hinting at the big day in store for him. Yeah, that was a great play. Um, they gave us uh, a coverage that we we were expecting to get. It was it was dialed up just right, and Jaron Jaron made a nice did a nice job reading the safety and throwing it over the top. And uh, Puka just has a way of finding the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, like I've said a million times, it's not just about how fast you run; it's being able to run at full speed and and find the ball and adjust to it in flight. And he's he's got a really good knack for that. He does. If the DB can't see it and Puka's got a beat on it, I count on Puka every time. Yeah, he's been tremendous. Uh, so, yes, the lead uh, BYU takes. Uh, the lead was short-lived. Uh, Baylor answered that uh, Tyler touchdown with a touchdown of its own. You had a chance to answer right back, but it was a field goal miss uh, that might have been made a little easier except for a third-down sack, uh, one of five Baylor sacks on the day. Yeah, that was unfortunate. It, it, it really was. It, it, it goes down in the stats as a sack, but the called play was a quarterback draw. Mm. And uh, we had a little yeah. miscue in the blocking, but there was also an RPO attached, and I, I felt – one of the only mistakes Jaron made of the day was there was a there was a receiver open on the RPO. I thought he should have thrown. Uh, he, he played such a good game. That was a missed opportunity there. We we got we made the field goal longer than it should have been. Uh, I, I honestly, looking back now, I kind of regret that play call. I think I could have put the team in a better situation, and then we didn't execute the play well enough. End up missing the longer field goal, and uh, it really was costly. That wasn't a huge score at halftime, but it kind of felt like there was a shootout vibe going on, and that every chance yeah. to score you kind of had to capitalize on. It was weird to only have seven points. We, did, we didn't have very many plays in that first half. We only had 22 plays. Yeah. But we went into halftime, though, feeling really confident we could move the ball and score. And I thought in the second half we did a better job getting the ball, you know, getting points. We just need to, uh, you know, we had just a couple of really critical plays that hurt us. Now, the missed field goal part of a key sequence, uh, Baylor took the ball after the miss, uh, went right down, scored to go up 10. 
Then came the onside kick. Yeah. And you have to say, the way it turned out, it was kind of the perfect call on their part. It was. Great play by them. And um, I'm, not, I'm not involved in the special teams part, part of it, so I can't really comment on what went wrong there. But um, great, great execution by them. Now, they didn't score on that drive, uh, Baylor, that is. But the onside kick steals a possession. It did. And steals field position and time off the clock. And, and then you end up uh, going three and out once you got the ball back late in the half. What was the vibe you were thinking right before halftime there when you got to get the ball? Just, that you'd uh, be starting the second half yeah, with it? I mean, Yeah, we were going to get it second half. So and there was so little time left. So we just ran the ball once. Uh, and we were going to see if we could pop a big run. If, it was, if we did, then we'd then we'd maybe try to score, but it ended up just being a run, the, you know, try to run this time out and, and because um, we felt like we didn't want to put the ball at risk with, with so little time left. Uh, we felt like throwing the ball down the field at that point was more risky than it was worth. The odds, the odds of scoring are not high, and so you, didn't want, you don't want to risk a turnover and giving them a short field. And as it stood, Baylor just had, I think, the one play before halftime. Yeah. Uh, you actually almost had a pick on that play. I think a couple of guys ran into each other yeah, right before the break. Yeah, and they, they might have had a chance to run that one back. It was, because everyone was down. Everyone was down. Yeah. yeah so, but un unfortunately, yeah, we didn't get it. Well, BYU trailed 17-7 uh, at the break. Uh, second straight week, BYU trailed by 10 at halftime. But a good third quarter was coming up, at least the start of it. We'll talk about that when we come back. It is time for a break and how the Cougars attempted that second half comeback is ahead and how Puka Nakua's big day uh, wrapped up on an impressive performance overall by the BYU pass attack. This reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night, 6.30 Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. And we have a live studio audience as well. I've tweeted out the seat request link on my Twitter feed. And we'll see you tomorrow night for the broadcast. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Back with more after this. The pull away and the takeoff by Jaron Hall. And he is gone. The 40, the 30, the 20. He will score. Touchdown! Jaron Hall on fourth and one. Takes it all the way to the house. And the Cougars are back in the game. That they were. More of the coordinator's corner now with BYU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick. 5-2 BYU this week visiting 4-3 Washington State. Wazoo on a three-game win streak. Uh, more on this clash of Cougars coming up in our next segment. First up, we conclude our look back at BYU's 38-24 setback at Baylor on the weekend. Bears now back in the top 25 poll after their win. Well, BYU trailed this game 17-7 at halftime. And, uh, and Coach Roderick, uh, the third quarter hasn't been the best quarter for BYU this season but Saturday in Waco you got the second half off to a really solid start first drive you face a fourth and one after what I thought was a poor third and one spot and then we saw the play that uh, got you into the end zone yeah that play uh, was exactly like we practiced it um, we thought they were going to give Jaron a chance to pull the ball there and we had practiced it like that all week and and uh, they gave us the look we wanted and he was ready. And we're, we're trying to be smart about how much we use him in the run game because we got to keep him healthy. But these key moments like this, he's, he's pretty good at this. And um, it was a great, great individual effort by him. And I thought, uh, you know, scheme-wise, it was just, just what, we, what we thought as a coaching staff. It turned out just like we planned. So was there a play call change? You went to the line. Yeah, initially we had a, 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 a dummy cadence where we were trying to get them to jump. We thought, we thought maybe their nose guard would jump. He had jumped a few times this year. So we tried a dummy cadence, and you know, Jaron gave his best, uh, his best uh, Brett Favre, you know, imitation, but it didn't <laughs> didn't work. So once they didn't, we shifted into the play that we had planned, and then the, but the play itself went just like we planned. Untouched. Yeah, it was really nice. 
Well, Jaron Hall's career-long 56-yard run makes the score 17-14. to 14. You're right back in it. And it was Jaron's second start after missing two games. Can you compare his Boise game uh, to his Baylor game in terms of his own personal comfort level maybe? Yeah, I thought he played well in both games. This game, you could just see he was a little more comfortable just being aggressive. Um, he was a little bit ginger in that Boise game. Try, I think we, we were really careful trying not to get him hit. This game, we were a little more aggressive, and he was a little more aggressive in how he played the game. And um, he feels great. I talked to him yesterday, and we're gonna just we're gonna keep pushing the limits with that because he's playing really good football right now. As, as you know, f you figure he's I think he's started five played five full games now as a starter and. Uh, playing at a really high level for a guy who's only started five games. And so I, I just think he's going to get better and better every week. As part of the highlights of viewers we're seeing there, what a window throw to Gunner on that low yeah. ball. I mean, the way he threw it, I mean, there's, there's three defenders. That had to be perfectly placed. He threaded the needle on several throws in this game. He was very accurate. And the down-the-field throws, I mean, he was on the money with some really, some really nice throws downfield. And then the reads he's making, too. Are, I mean, this is a complex defense we were playing against. Very, very sound in everything they do. This, this was an unbelievable, uh, this is a fourth down conversion. Uh, just a great throw and catch. Um, and that's the second read in that progression mm -hmm. there that he got to on the run. I mean, I just, he did a lot of good things. Uh, Kalani told me in the pregame that uh, Jacob Conover would be backing up with Baylor Romney as the three. Baylor looked pretty good slinging it in pregame. Yeah. Uh, how does your quarterback depth look this week? Baylor should be 100% this week. So, you know, if he's ready to... If he's ready to practice and take reps, then, you know, probably move him back into the second spot. I, I feel like he deserves that with how he's played in games. There's not, nothing against what Jacob's done, mm -hmm. but um, that's probably the move we'll make if, if Baylor feels up to it. So more or less back to normal where you were after maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, you know, it, it might be a blessing in disguise that Baylor was out a little bit because Jacob really got better in the last few weeks. I mean, got a chance to play a little bit against Utah State and then um, – Got a lot of reps All in practice. All the practice reps yeah. he's gotten, I think, have been really valuable for him. So that could come into play later in the season. But, um, yeah, I think the way Baylor's played in the games he, he played in, I, I think it's only fair to move him back to number two if he's healthy and ready to roll. Gotcha. Well, back to the game in Waco. And hey, credit to the Bears. Uh, you'd score, they would answer. Uh, and they did score back-to-back -back touchdowns on either side of a strip sack. And the strip sack ended up being pretty key because of how the tone of the game was going in terms of you got to score. It was your only giveaway of the day. Uh, but the possession started in promising fashion, 47 yards uh, to Puka Nakua. seems like every time you looked his way, it was a big play. Yeah, he's really proven to be a, a great playmaker down the field. Um, Gunner also had a couple big plays, but, um, you know, we, we've, we've found some things out about ourselves. It's weird. It, you know, we've lost two games in a row. Um, we're all really disappointed in that, but I think we've found some things out about our team. And um, I think there's some real things to build on. There was a lot of positives in this game offensively that I think we can build on in the next few weeks. And, um, you know, Puka's a big part of that. We saw Puka in a jet there, too. What makes him a special player, not just as a receiver, and clearly he's terribly skilled, but as a runner and a blocker? Yeah, he's just a physical presence out there in, in all areas. I and mean, you ask him to make a block, he can block any player on the field. Um, you know, maybe not a defensive lineman, but any 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 linebacker, safety, corner, he can block. Um, you throw him the ball down the field, he's so physical, he can box out and use his body to make the catch. He's got really strong hands, and, and, and then when he runs the football, he runs hard. He's hard to tackle. He breaks tackles. He makes people miss. So he's a, he's a complete player. Game by game, better and better, right? Yeah, yeah, he's getting better every game. And I thought Neil played really well, too, and so did Gunner. And uh, so we've got, a, we've got a good group there, and 
Samson did some good things, and so we, you know, we just got to keep working those guys. Really solid big three, and Samson's right there. Uh, you were down 17 to start the fourth in Waco. You got within 14, then Baylor puts together uh, a 12-play, 82-yard kind of time-devouring drive uh, to, to kind of stick it out of reach. I do want to show the final score of the game, though, for BYU. We've seen it a couple times in, in clips, but a really nice back shoulder to Puka for his first touchdown. It was his first touchdown as a BYU player, and it was coming. Yeah, um, we you know we practice this every day. We back shoulder throws are a big part of what we do. We can we can throw the ball over the top or back shoulder depending on the look we get. And um, great footwork. Yeah, and Jaron's really got developing a good feel for this. I thought this was an area Zach Wilson really excelled, and Jaron's starting to prove now that he's got that too. Baylor's made a lot of good back shoulder throws. It's it's a big part of our offense. All right, that takes us to our offensive players of the week that you picked, and Puka is one of them. Yeah, and uh, he, I mean, it was pretty obvious that the impact he made on the game, he's, he's explosive and, and then, like you mentioned already, the, the numbers Jaron put up, I think, are, uh, you know, normally with numbers like that, you'd expect to win. And, you know, we just got to, we got to do a little better job staying on the field, get a, get a few more plays. I think if we, we get a few more plays in that game, you know, we can get enough points to win. But um, there was a couple of critical plays that cost us, but, you know, those two guys, they keep playing at that level, we're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. Yeah, the pass efficiency number, 174.1. Since Kalani's been the head coach, uh, BYU's only lost two games when they go 150 or better, and pass efficiency Saturday was one, and the other was uh, at Boise, I think, in 2018. So it's a, when, normally when the pass game's going that well, it's a pretty good indicator of success. Yeah, and, um, you know, it was a weird game. Yeah. I, I, it's just we're trying to all be accountable to the things we can do better. Uh, but there were a lot of positive factors in that game that you would expect to win if you do those things on a weekly basis. And we got we to gotta get our run game going a little better this week. Uh, part of it was that it was tough to run early. And then another part of it, though, was when we got down, we had to throw to stay in it. And so I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not overly worried about our run game. I know we can run the football. We'll get it going again. And, uh, but really pleased with the way Jaron's progressing and hope that he can just keep keep getting better each week. Yeah, he went he went career high 302 yards against Boise, up to 342 against Baylor. And again, a week by week considering, you know, his physical uh, you know status, it's encouraging to see he can still throw it like that. Yeah, he's a good passer. I mean, he he's known for some of the big runs he made early in the season, but he's an excellent passer. The guy throws with touch, he's accurate, and he's really starting to see the game like a veteran player. You bring up ground game and one area you've been really healthy hasn't been in the offensive backfield at running back. Uh, Tyler's kind of been there, you know, the whole way. Peeney's right there. And, and at some point, Jackson McChesney and Hinkley might get snaps. But you yeah. have been in the kind of games where you've kind of had to run with your, your top two. Yeah, that's a good group. We have confidence in all those guys. Tyler's obviously the lead guy right now. And um, we got to do everything we can to get him going this week. All right, as we go to break, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now up in Harriman. In Harriman. This weekend, BYU plays at Washington State. Tune in to Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starting at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. The kick at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, and 1.30 here in the Mountain Time Zone. Coming up, we will talk about BYU and Wazoo. You're in the coordinator's corner. And we're brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys, back with more right after this. The snap to Rico, good placement. Oldroyd, plenty of leg on this one, and it is through for three. Big make by Jake, and it's a two-score game. 
You're in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys chatting with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. BYU coming off its 38-24 loss at Baylor on the weekend. Career high in passing yards for Jaron Hall as we discussed. Um, run game, and really we kind of hit on it before the break a little bit, but maybe the first game this year it felt like the run game didn't get any traction. And you said to Baylor's tough to run on. Part of they it. are. They're good. i got to give them credit. That's a good football team. Um, you know, we got to find answers and do better, but they were tough to run the ball against. We knew it was going to be that way going in, and it turned out to be even harder than we expected. You've played seven games. Uh, fair to say maybe most complete team you've faced so far this season? Yes, that's the best football team we've played this year, and um, I would not be surprised if uh, they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat down the stretch. They're good, and they, they play team football all three phases. They're, they're really sound. They've yet to play Texas or OU yet in the Big 12. But they've beaten Iowa, uh, they've beaten Iowa State. Um, Oklahoma State got them. But it'll be fun to see what they do at the top of that league, with the top yeah, of that, that league. That Oklahoma State game was a little bit fluky. I thought, I thought Baylor deserved to win that game. They just found a way not to. But um, they're going to be tough to beat. I, I think they'll match up well with anybody else they have left on their schedule. They're good. Uh, BYU's red zone performance remains exemplary. Uh, BYU ranks 20th nationally in red zone scoring percentage, 21st in red zone touchdown percentage, the one you really focus on. And you were two for two at Baylor when you got down there, two touchdowns. Yeah, I was pleased with that. We just we were knocking on the door right just outside the red zone twice and had two critical plays that we already mentioned. They were both sacks, right? Yeah, the, the, the sack on the quarterback draw play and the sack fumble, uh, you know, those were two, two things that were – I consider those almost red zone. I You're mean, around the 30-ish on that. We right? got to do better on both of those plays. Those are those are game-changing ones. We got to do better on. But I was pleased that we got touchdowns and the other two opportunities we got down there. With a team like BYU, uh, once you get inside the 40, is kind of when I expect points to come. And there were a couple drives that didn't happen. Yeah, and uh, points are the name of the game. You know, we got to we got to get find a way to get more points. And especially this week, we're playing against a a quality opponent who's really started to get it going on offense and we got to have answers this week for them uh, you know just by scoring we got to make we got to make make them keep up with us. We'll talk a bit more about Washington State in just a second. First up, you mentioned earlier the hope is to get Joe Tukawafu and Harris Lachance back on the O-line on the right side. You did get a guy back this past week, and let's maybe hit a little bit about Mason Wake. He didn't have a huge role at Baylor, but having him back and available does mean a lot to your offense. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners why he is so uh, so important to this team? He's just such a unique player. He's, he's, a, he's a really good blocker. He's, he's basically like a sixth offensive lineman in a way, but he's a, really skilled, he's a really skilled player in the passing game as well. And so I just think he's a unique guy that defenses have to prepare for. Um, he wasn't fully healthy this game. He's still just still not quite all the way back and wasn't as effective as he normally would be, but we're hoping he takes another step forward this week. And then also when the game kind of became a, a passing game, you know, his role was a little bit limited there because Isaac and Dallin are a little more down the field type of threats. Right. But um, we look forward to Mason getting all the way back, and, and uh, he's, he's a huge part of our run game, just as much as those right side linemen are. Okay, let's get to a Washington State now. Uh, they're 4-3, and three, but in that record are three consecutive wins right now. They just beat a Stanford team that already has Oregon as one of the teams they've beaten. So, you know, there's some, there's some quality there. Yeah. And they're now scoring the football where they weren't earlier in the year. Yeah, you can tell they're playing with some belief right now. Um, I think their early season struggles were mostly due to their quarterback being out, uh, Jaden Delora. Um, I, I, we, I happen to know that kid pretty well from recruiting. And he, really, where did you first get in touch he, with him? He, he played at St. Louis High School in Hawaii, and okay. you know, storied program with right. a lot of great quarterbacks there. And Fessy and I went over there to see him throw and mm. got to know him a little bit. And 
He's a very good player. And um, now that he's been playing, he, since he came back from injury, they've gotten it rolling a little bit. And you can tell they're a different team when they have him. We see some defensive snaps. What characterizes Wazoo defensively? Uh, a lot of exotic pressures and coverages. And uh, they, they, every play is some sort of twist or blitz and some sort of funky coverage. They do, they do a, lot of, a lot of cool things. I don't know how they get it all coached. It's, hmm. um, and I would say uh, what they do best is just play well as a team. They play really hard, and they've been getting people to turn the ball over. And even though they're kind of dealing with the whole specter of what's happening with their coach off the field, they've been managing to win games. Again, the way they started, you thought, man, is this thing going to go south on them? It hasn't done that. They flipped around one three straight, and so that's a confident team you're seeing on Saturday. Yeah, and that's a, that's a hallmark of Coach Rolovich's teams. He's kind of a riverboat gambler type of guy, and his players, they feed off that, and they play like that. And... You can tell offensively they're a team that's going to just let it rip and throw the ball down the field. And then defensively, they're all about, you know, creating pressure and, and creating turnovers and flying around. And so, you know, we've got, a, we've got a real challenge ahead of us. You had a game day bus ride contest this past weekend. You'll have a similar setup, I think, probably in Pullman. And to see how you handle it this time around. Yeah, not quite as far of a bus right. ride, I think. But, um, yeah, we'll have a little bit. We've got to deal with it better. And it'll probably be different weather. I haven't looked at the forecast yet. Yeah, I haven't either, actually. I, uh, I think I've played there five or six times, and every single time I've played there, it was cold and rainy, except one time it was like a foot of snow. So, uh, <laughs> so never, never been, never played in good weather there. Mm. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, you'll be ready for it if it does turn out that yeah. way. Uh, what were the uh, results, by the way, generally speaking? Mixed bag there at Pullman, or how'd you do really well? A um, little bit of both. Yeah, it's a tough place to play, and when they're winning, their fans get behind them, and it's loud, and it can be crowd noise can be a factor in that in that stadium. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting place. Their fans really get after the opponent. It's a long walk from the locker room to the field. I mean, there's, just, there's, some, there's some unique things about it that we'll, we'll get our team ready for. All right, a clash of Cougars on Saturday in Pullman. Again, 1230 in the Pacific time zone and a 130 here in the mountains. Coach Roderick, thank you. We'll give you the week off next week. We'll see you in two. Thanks for having me. All right, get pregame coverage of BYU's Saturday showdown with Washington State on BYU TV's countdown to kickoff Saturday noon Eastern. At uh, 2 Eastern, beg your pardon, noon Mountain Time Zone. Coming up next, we'll chat with BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more in a moment. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 5-2 after falling 38-24 at Baylor on Saturday. First of three straight P5 opponents for BYU in this part of the schedule. Cougs at Washington State on Saturday, then home to Virginia in two weeks. By the way, they set the game time for UVA. It'll be an 8:15 Mountain Time kick on October 30th. Uh, BYU still one win away from bowl eligibility. BYU's primary contracted bowl set to be played two months from today. In Shreveport, Louisiana, the Independence Bowl. BYU against a team from Conference USA, if all goes as is contracted. Well, we start the second half hour of this show with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. Coach E, good to see you once again. Thank you. It's good to be back. Good to see you. Let's start with maybe a word about the fact that uh, games with Baylor will be league games going forward once you get back down there. And as far as getting a taste of Big 12 football, if you will, did Baylor show you anything you and your guys needed to see as you prepare to transition into that P5 conference? You know, obviously they're, they're a really good team, well coached. I mean, they do, they do a phenomenal job. I think it's one of the, I don't know how they're doing uh, at, you know, in their league as far as just who's going to end up on top. But I thought that 
watching them, Oklahoma State, those guys battle it out and, and where they ended up uh, as far as just losing a close one to Oklahoma State and seeing Oklahoma State win. I mean, there, there's a lot of good teams in that, in that uh, um, league. Um, I think it'll be f very similar to the to the first three games that we played, but you know, obviously the outcome just wasn't the same. But it is there. You get you get uh, good skill players. You get good scheme. You got big O linemen, big D linemen. It's uh, and that's that's normal what you see when you see Power Five teams. BYU didn't match the point tally on Saturday, but it kind of feels like the Big Twelve is where they still play some shootout football. The scores can get up there. Yeah, certainly can, especially if you're not uh, if you're not doing what you need to be doing on defense, which we certainly didn't do. I mean, it was a, it was a disappointing outing for us, and we felt that way as a coaching staff, and I know the team feels that way, and we've got to we've got to be better. We're going to get more into the game, but I talked with Coach Roderick about uh, Baylor's hospitality uh, shown to BYU over the weekend. Everywhere we went, we went at McLean Stadium or in Waco, uh, we felt very welcome. And it was apparent that Baylor is glad to have BYU joining the Big 12 in 2023 and kind of treated BYU like a, like a colleague already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's, you know, I had a chance to catch up with uh, Coach Grimes, Coach Mateos uh, pregame just on the field. And, and uh, they were talking about how there were a lot of similarities in, in uh, both the institutions and the way that they carry themselves and what they take uh, pride in and in the way that they want to be. And, and uh, show themselves to the rest of the world. But there are uh, certainly uh, a lot of similarities between us two. Yeah, a couple of private faith-based institutions, which is a similarity. And again, it may have happened at other places, but there aren't too many places you go where the day begins with a prayer. And that happened uh, in Waco as well on, yeah, on Saturday afternoon. That's right. That's right. That was really cool to see, you know, in an opposing stadium where they do start with a prayer. But was everybody that uh, we ran into um, helping us get to the box and all those things, man, everybody was just so polite and and, uh, and I, I thought that was really cool. Well, how much of what Baylor ran on Saturday uh, did you expect to see, really? And, and were there any wrinkles or surprises maybe that weren't part of maybe the Jeff Grimes package in the past? Yeah, you know, they, they stuck to their game plan. I thought they stuck to their game plan and executed. Um, there wasn't really anything that, that uh, we didn't see. Um, it, was, it just came down to execution. And, um, you know, we, they, I thought that they did a really good job up front, dominating up front. They, they got the ball out in a timely fashion, just like, just like we thought they would on the perimeter. And you know, we've got to we've got to coach better. We've got to do better with stopping them. There's just missed tackles and missed assignments, things like that that costed us. Big day from Abram Smith, who you see on the highlight. But you actually e got the start you wanted defensively, right? Three and out on Baylor's first drive. Then after a longish second drive, you get a takeaway in the end zone. Yeah, and that's you know, I thought thought the first first two series were exactly you know. It was, we knew it was going to be a tough game. We knew that they were going to get theirs, and we'd be able to come around and get ours. But uh, we missed. We missed on some takeaways. There was one takeaway that we could have. We could have uh, ended a drive that ended up in a, in a touchdown. And um, you know, with this one, we ended up with the takeaway. There's. We had opportunities to come out of drives, and we, and we just couldn't. Um, you know, missed opportunities. And that's a linebacker there with a knack for the ball in good hands. Peyton Wilgar's fourth career INT on that play. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton's a great player, and he's. He's playing all over the place right now, and, and we may, as the coaching staff, be asking him to do a lot and to maybe do too much, but he is, he is, he is playing hard. He's playing all over the place. Going into Saturday, uh, Baylor was one of only two teams in the FBS that hadn't thrown a pick. Uh, Bohannon was 11 touchdowns, zero picks. That was his first pick of the year that you ended up with on the second drive. Totally, totally forgot about that. I knew yeah. that he was really efficient getting the ball out, but like, like I said, there were... We had opportunities to take to get a couple more that uh, you know could have kept the score down a little bit and give us opportunities, but 
we've got to capitalize on those. The only score of the first quarter was a Baylor field goal at the end of the quarter. First time this year BYU hasn't opened the scoring in a game, but no sweat. Uh, Tyler Algier got you in the end zone, and he had a 7-3 lead. Uh, Baylor answered right away, though. 75-yard drive, seven plays, six were rushes, and Baylor really did make a shift, I thought, from first quarter to second quarter uh, to, the, to the ground game. Yeah, they did. It's... Um, you know, they, they, they ended that first one with a pick, or really the three and out, the three and out was three passes in a row, which yeah. kind of surprised me. And then they, they went, uh, you know, drove down the ball down and then, and then threw the pick in the end zone. I think they knew that they had to go to the run. We knew they wanted to go to the run, and, and uh, you know, we just, we just couldn't make plays when we needed to. Yeah, Baylor's rush attack was uh, prolific. And uh, I mentioned Abram Smith already. He was kind of a, a two-headed monster in the backfield there. A big day for Smith, had nearly 200 yards rushing. And Baylor, as a team, ended up with 300-plus. Um, and that's usually a pretty good indicator of success if you're the team uh, with the 300. And you can see yards per carry kind of in line with what they do. They're, they're a good running football team. A really good running football team. We knew that going in. Um, you know, they just they, they out-executed us and out-coached us. And it was just... Uh, it was it was a tough tough film to watch, you know. After you, after you go through that experience of just uh, you know feeling the loss in the locker room and then getting on the plane and and uh, reliving it, watching the film. I mean, it's just there's a lot of stuff that you see uh, on the film that you don't didn't necessarily see in the game. And then you know as we talked about in the game, it was like no, there's, we just got to tighten up our technique and our assignments and everything. And as we went and watched the film, it, it really was that there wasn't wasn't anything special that needed happy besides so just us making plays. So was there a game impression you had that was different from the film impression when you went back and started watching it again? You know, you, you start to get into these situations where it's kind of, kind of panic, right? Where, what do we do? Do we need to change this? Is this the scheme? Do we need to replace this person? And there's so many questions that you're talking about on, on the headset. And, uh, you know, what we decided and, and talked about was we just need to go back to the fundamentals and we just need to play sound football. And, uh, you know, we went back and watched the film. It was, it was really exactly that. We were just, we had guys reaching, um, you know, to do other people's jobs. And you had guys, uh, you know, it's, when you start giving up on the run, it starts to feel like, okay, I need to, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And, and uh, we really just kind of got outside of ourselves and, and within just doing our 111th and doing our job. And it's, it's, uh, it, was, it was disappointing to see as a coach. And obviously you, a lot falls on our shoulders with with getting that corrected. I mean, we've got to be we've got to be better inspirers of just mm. sticking to the game plan and, and playing with better technique. It was the kind of game that did get into shootout mode a little bit. Uh, every chance to score was really important. Uh, and there's a missed field goal for BYU, second straight Baylor touchdown. They go up 17-7. The last four plays in that drive were all rushes, including the TD, and they turned a linebacker into a fullback. And he scored two touchdowns on Saturday. Dylan Doyle is his name. And I'm looking, you know, I'm seeing the fullback in, in the eye. And he wasn't on my offensive board. They brought in a linebacker to, to play that role. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, they, they do a really good job. And you see that sometimes when, when uh, offenses get down into the red zone or one, two yard line, you get a chance to, chance to use some guys on the defensive side of the ball who had an, an offensive uh, uh, pass, pass life in high school that, that can bring something to the table. Uh, onside kick right after that play. Really, I mean, clearly it was. I mean, it, yeah. it, it caught everyone unexpected. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, you know that 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 that's, that's a tough deal. Where you give the ball back, and I think we ended up coming out of that drive. They didn't score on it. That, that was yeah. the fourth down stop. Right. It's, uh, um, you know what what they did, and when you look at analytics and just the the smart thing about it was was uh, 
you know, they were playing good on defense, and, and even if we did end up scoring on offense, it would have given them the ball back before the half to get it, to get a chance to go down and score, score some points. And so that took a lot of time away, and so by the time we got the ball, there was only really 30 seconds left. Yeah, and it stole a possession and made you defend another extra possession right there yep, at that point. Yep, that's right, and we still had to punt the ball then, too. Yep. So. Uh, down 17-7 at halftime. Uh, what were your thoughts as you were in the elevator headed down to the locker room? You know, it was really um, the, the same thought going into it, which was we've got to stop the run. We've got to, we've got to challenge more at the corner spot. We've got, to, we've got to come away with some takeaways when I thought we had some opportunities too, but we've got to stop the run. And, and uh, you know, to talk to the boys in the locker room, kind of talking about different things that we may, may be able to do or, or uh, you know, maybe able to do to fix it. It really just kind of came down to, to onus and, and everybody doing their 1-11th, you know. And so... Um, Credit Baylor, good team, and, and, and out-executed us, and that's really what it came down to. But we've, uh, we've got to be better. All right, it is time for a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up our Baylor recap and get players of the week on defense and special teams. When the coordinator's corner continues, we are brought to you, as always, by our good friends at JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. Empty for Bohannon. He looks left, looks middle, fires for the end zone, intercepted by BYU. The Cougs make the pick in the end zone, and it'll be a touchback. INT. We're back on the coordinator's corner with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Eli Satuiaki. BYU now 5-2 on the season after Saturday's loss at Baylor. Big 12 preview of sorts as BYU prepares to join that league in 2023. Baylor essentially took BYU's spot in the top 25 polls with their weekend win. Second ranked win uh, for Coach Dave Aranda's team as well this year. Well down 17-7 at halftime. A third quarter got off to a good enough start for BYU. Jaron Hall a 56-yard touchdown run made it a three-point game. Then came kind of the big swing. Uh, Baylor touchdown drive, nine plays, seven runs, 24-14 Bears. Then the strip sack by Baylor, fumble recovery, four plays later, E, another BYU touchdown. Now you're down 31-14, to and Baylor has the game where they wanted it, considering how well they were running it. Yeah, that's uh, when, you're, when you're running the ball effectively on offense, um, you know, it's, it, it just, it just everything else really opens up the floodgates. And so um, we knew coming in we needed to stop the run, and and uh, had a game plan for it. Just, just had a couple of uh, had some misassignments and some some technical issues that uh, that cost us, and we we weren't as stout as we'd like to be. The touchdown you saw a moment ago in the flat was to that linebacker turned running back slash fullback uh, Dylan Doyle, and again they had a big day for Abram Smith as he ran for nearly 200. And in the fourth quarter, uh, e, it was, it was kind of time for Jeff Grimes and the Baylor offense to just kind of run the clock and grind it on the ground. In the fourth quarter, 14 runs, one pass. Uh, they ended up with 303 yards on the ground. And a tough game to win when you're the team giving up 300 at that point. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you're not going to win very many games, especially with your, any kind of contribution on defense with, with uh, you know, we missed opportunities and takeaways to get the ball back. You know, um, giving up the ball on the on the surprise onside, and then just not stopping the run. We we have to be better. Baylor seven of fifteen on third downs, two of four on fourth. They ended up snapping twenty more plays uh, than BYU uh, e at seven plus yards per play. Again, this is another one of those tough formula stats to kind of overcome if a team's going to seven point one. Even if your offense is going seven point four, as you see there, twenty extra snaps is a lot to defend. Yeah, that's. 
that's uh that's really you can you can divide that up into three or four series you know that's 20 plays is a lot there's you've got to get off the field you've got to get off the field when you have those opportunities and you've got to you got to get some takeaways to give your offense more, more possessions so over the last four games BYU's defended 70 more snaps than BYU's opponents have had to defend. That's basically defending like an extra football game's worth of, of offense. Question becomes, is your defense spending too much time on the field lately? Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of that is really self-inflicted. You know, there's uh, um, with the Boise game, there were the turnovers, and you know, with this game, there's just, it's just us not getting off the field. And so we've, we've got to do a better job of, of uh, not, not self-inflicting just, you know, th- those kind of damages on our own defense. We've got to, we've got to show up when we need to and, and start and stopping the run and getting takeaways and, and uh, you know, being able to get off the field on our own. And takeaway number is a big part of it. That bottom number you see there, you had 10 takeaways through five games. And, and you're down at, uh, at just one takeaway over the last two games. Yep. And we've missed those opportunities. And that's been the tough thing is, when those, when those opportunities come, you've got to complete those takeaways. And as we talk about it all the time on defense is, is uh, completing those opportunities. When those opportunities come, you've got to, you got to get them. You've got to take them. And uh, we're, not, we're not completing them right now. We're just we're, we're letting them uh, you know, just hang out there. And it's not going to get the ball back for our offense, and it's not going to get us off the field. So every team and both sides of the ball deal with it. That's injury issues. Uh, and we haven't talked a lot about this on this program, but you've had a few games now to play without Keenan Peely. Um, what kind of impact did that really have, like a real impact on your team defensively? And again, we've not harped on it. It's kind of you, you go and you pick up and you put someone else in. But how special a player was he the way he was playing? And what do you miss and how do you think the team has had to deal? Yeah, you, you take it for granted having a, having a player that good and uh, with, with that much impact. I mean, what, is it like Utah losing Devin Lloyd? Is it that same kind of de- same deal? Do you think? I mean, a player like that, um, or is it different? I, I don't I don't know exactly what he is for them, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, Devin Lloyd is for those guys just because we don't watch him on defense. We're really right for myself just watch him on offense. But he's uh, he, it's a tremendous impact. I mean, huge impact losing him. Um, you know, having a having a move guys around, and there, there's guys that need to need to just rise to the occasion and, and make it work. And you know, some of the decisions that we make as coaching staff with moving, moving Chaz and having a little bit more of a of a role at the backer spot, you know, and and uh, you know, it, not necessarily fair to Chaz what what we've asked him to do, but just trying to you know patch things up and move move guys around, and and so um, it, it's it's really hard. It's really hard losing a guy like that, a difference maker, a leader. A, you know, a playmaker, and and uh, I mean, just the upside that, that Keenan had, and so getting him back next year will be huge for us. Um, you know, obviously we're we're in this year, and so we've got to have guys step up. We've got to do a better job as coaches, putting putting players in position to make plays, and and uh, you know, try to replace that. But it's it's a uh, you know, as we talked as a coaching staff, feel like feel like we're a, we're a beaten up defense that's just kind of surviving and we need to get mm-hmm. back to we need to get back to, to playing with swag we need to get back to playing with uh you know completing the takeaways and 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 uh you know as a coaching staff pushing pushing taking more pride and just just getting off the field and playing better better defense because we can do that and that's the ex- expectation for us um you know we've got to demand more we haven't talked about this at all on this program but you lost a lot from last year's defense from guys that thought they were next level guys and it maybe didn't work out the way they wanted it to that could have taken a COVID year and been part of this year's team and again we don't discuss that on this program you move ahead and you move along but you'd be a different looking team with a lot of experience if maybe that extra year had come along for some of those guys it's just a fact yeah yeah for sure it's 
losing. I mean, you know, I think I think the guys that you probably still would have lost is Kyrus, but Zane. I don't, Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Zane, but you know, uh, get if if you either were, way, he could have. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, Zane. You get Troy. You get you get uh, Zach Bracken. Zach, you get Bracken. You get Kavika Fonua and uh, Isaiah Kafusi. Yeah. Was, was a leader of the defense. I mean, there's there are a lot of guys that that uh, a lot of other teams are playing with that came back from the COVID year that we lost, and and uh, it's tough to replace. But we are we're pretty banged up right now. We've got yeah. we've you know we've got to reach into the depths. We had we had. Uh, Three D tackles go down in the middle of the game, and and we had uh, you know a young freshman that whose number was called that that came in and you know was neither here nor there with his play, Josh Larson, but uh, an opportunity for him to come in and kind of see the big lights and look around and be like, okay, and once he you know once you discount the crowd and everything, you look at it, okay, this is exactly what it looks like in practice. There's the ball, there's a person in front of me, I got to do my job, and and so that, I mean that's in, uh, invaluable to get freshmen those those kind of reps, but you look at the amount of freshmen that we are playing with, and those guys are going to be here for two, three, four years. I, I think uh, there's, there's a, that's the bright spot in the def on the defensive side. This takes us to, a, to your defensive player of the game, and it is a guy that, again, maybe not a lot of fans think or know a lot about, but a younger guy that had an impact for you, played well. That's John Nelson. Yeah, he, he had the, the, I thought his best game was cooler. He's given us five to ten snaps in all the other games and is a guy that's come along. But you think about a true freshman that's that's coming in, that's got, uh, you know, big upside, that's a, a big, big physical kid that has the ability to contribute. I mean, he's his uh, his name is going to be called a lot uh, in, in the future, and I think he's going to bring a lot to Cougar Nation. All right, that's our defensive player of the game. Special teams players of the week came from Coach Ed Lamb, and these are his three picks. Yeah, you know, the, the, the coverage teams, uh, you know, re remain to be just a big part of what we do. And, you know, to see the, the kind of game that Puka had offensively. Yeah, and then, that, and then to be here. You still see him be here. It's, it's, uh, he's, he's, we all know that he's a, he's a tremendous kid, a kid that enjoys playing the game, a kid that uh, enjoys his role and uh, will do whatever it takes to win. And, and obviously Josh, uh, Josh Wilson, you know, coming up with, uh, with the top rock. Um, did, did a phenomenal job on the coverage teams, and Chris Jackson is just week to week to week. I mean, he shows up and big contributor on special teams every single week. Yeah, a great story off the field and a great player on for you as well. Great, great segment, Coach. Uh, we'll take a break as we step away. Uh, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern Time, BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, a look ahead to a second straight road game as BYU travels to Pullman to play Washington State. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. And by Siegfried & Jensen, serving Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. BYU coming off its loss at Baylor, getting ready for Washington State. In the last minute we have here, uh, Coach E, some thoughts on the Wazoo offense they show. Yeah, you know, they're, they're on that three-game win streak in the Pac-12, and they beat some good teams, and they're playing, uh, they're playing well enough on, in every phase to come away with wins. And so that's, that's the name of the game. We've got to... 
we've got to find a way to stop on offense. They're, they're really good offensively. They do a good job spreading around and, and a decent enough run game that they do a good job. Probably throw it better than they run it right now, fair to say? I, I, I think that they want to throw it more than they want to run it. They want to run it enough to keep you honest, but they are good. I mean, you still see big plays with them running the ball on film, and so uh, we've got to be sound all, all the way around. And as you noted, uh, they have won three in a row, so there's a confidence level there. It's your job to now stop that little two-game rut you've got going. Absolutely. That's the coaching job right now is to find some kind of inspiration to get us up and get us ready for this game and come, come away with a win. Okay, good luck in Pullman, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, we'll see Coach Tuiaki next week, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We're back with you next Monday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time for Coaches Roderick and Tuiaki. I'm Greg Grubel. Go Cougs, and we'll see you next week.